Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them. And we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Welcome back to the Don't Talk About It podcast. Hi, Rena. Hey, Megan. What are we talking about today? Well, we thought, so since this season we're taking a deeper dive into some of the topics that we've talked about before, we are going back to season one, episode two, It's All in Your Head, or Is It? Which or was our it? mental health episode. Yeah, that was the first time that we really started getting into talking about our mental health histories and I guess maybe lack of mental health or wellness <laughs> histories. And today we want to go a little bit deeper into what that journey has been like for each of us since January 2021 when we recorded that episode. It has been a journey. If there's one place I've been in the last two years, it has been therapy. Yeah. I've been in therapy. <laughs> Anything that's been consistent in our lives, it's been doing the fucking work. <laughs> Seriously. I was just Jeez. thinking right before we hit record, like, I wonder how much, I wonder how many hours that is and how much money I've spent, but it's got to be at least a hundred hours of therapy mm. as a client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> but yeah. A, a lot's kind of changed. I feel like the way that we understand ourselves and our mental health has changed a lot since then. It has for me, yeah. at least. What about you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, every day is like something new, I feel like. Or it's just a repeat of what I learned before, but I forgot about it. I don't know. It all kind of, you know, yeah, goes together, melts together, if you will. But I do feel like I'm in a better place than I was. Yeah, back then to give a little bit of backstory like what is your mental health history what is your experience with I don't know different diagnoses with with therapy I know we talked a little bit about this way back then but Mm -hmm. how would you describe your history with it yeah I mean I I think for the longest I didn't even I don't think I've ever even paid attention to mental health Mm mm-hmm Like, I'm from that generation, (laughs) y'all. Born in 1980. (laughs) You know, like, this is all new. I feel like it's very new and it's very more mainstream than it and more talked about than it ever has been, which is amazing, which is also why it's it's a little uncomfortable for me. Or, you know, it also took me a long time to even dive in and take a look. I've had definitely some struggles throughout my whole life up until, well, no, I mean, it's still, it's a struggle y'all, but I'm just saying I, I didn't put things together until I was probably in my late thirties of why I was the way I was and why my behaviors and my patterns were the way they were and how I connected with others was completely different than, than it is now. Yeah. That makes sense. We are, the last generation, I think maybe that didn't necessarily get to have access to therapy as kids or teenagers. Mm-hmm. 
like the people that came right after us maybe did, but we definitely didn't learn about mental wellness when I was in school. Oh, I don't think so. And I'm only a couple years younger than you. So that makes sense that it took time for you to start to see patterns and to notice things about your mental health, notice things about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I knew that I had a story. Like I have a history. I have uh-huh. some fucked up shit that's happened to me since childhood into adolescence and beyond. Mm-hmm. I knew I had a lot of shit that I probably needed to work through. But I didn't real I didn't put two and two together on how that like impacted my daily life and why I was so fucking anxious and scared all the time. I didn't know. I didn't know it was related to my childhood wounds. And I'm still learning all of that. I'm still learning like the way that my body responds to things is because of something that happened fucking 30 years ago or mm-hmm. some shit like that. I'm just like, what? Mike, my, my mind is blown. You know what I mean? So I'm still discovering all these new things. So I, I guess that's the beauty of it is when you start doing the work, even though it's hard as fuck and you have to go back into those moments in your history to find out where it might've started. That's hard. I will say that. I'm like, huh. When I started therapy, I was like, I'm like, I'm supposed to just choose one thing. One trauma? What do you, mm. I don't know how to do that. But mm-hmm. all to me is one ball of shit. Yeah. So how do we choose? And I don't know if anybody else has felt that way entering therapy when you're just like, where do we even fucking start? And it's kind of overwhelming. Like, do we go all the way back to the fucking, when I was four years old? Yeah, I but, do. <laughs> I know you do, but I just, yeah. but it fucking, it's crazy. that's where it starts. Yeah. And that's where it stays. Like, mm. You are what you're experiencing. What I've learned is what I'm experiencing is what has happened to me when I was four. Mm-hmm. Like it's my four-year-old self that is behaving this way, which is, you know, which is a, a trip after I was able to connect the two of my, why I was so scared all the time. I was so scared. I was scared growing up. I was scared. I was scared into adulthood about everything and anything, any mm-hmm. sort of. Anything could go wrong. I'm so scared of flying. So scared of being home alone. So scared of being outside. <laughs> just everything was scary. Yeah. And I was just walking around the world scared all the time. And now it's just crazy because I never knew I could live a life without that. And then I didn't know how much energy that was also just sucking from me, which also led me into depression. Mm-hmm. Anxiety and depression, they go hand in hand. And fuck, I never fucking knew that shit. I never knew I was even anxious or depressed until I went to therapy. Do you feel like those are the, like those diagnoses fit for you? Or do you feel like something like complex PTSD makes more sense? Or do you not even really care because who gives a shit what the label is? Like you just want to feel different and feel better. I tried. So I went to so a therapist or a psychologist yeah. for five or six years before we moved to LA. And then I was like, no, I'm done. I don't want to go to a trauma therapist. I don't want to do all the trauma stuff. I just want a life coach. I just want a spiritual advisor. Sure. Yeah. But then I went, I found one. Okay. And yes, she was great. And she did help open some more doors for me and whatnot. But I felt myself yearning for that trauma. I don't know. Like, I still wanted my story to be heard. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, the desire to not want to go all the way into it or to just deal with the here and now Mm -hmm. makes sense to me. But 
those exiled parts of ourselves, Mm -hmm. those exiled parts of our psyche, they're always going to be calling out for us. Mm -hmm. They're always going to make themselves known one way or another. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you have to do five consecutive years of trauma treatment either. Like I, I do think that there's ways to find balance in it and Mm -hmm. it's also okay to take breaks sometimes, but you have been through a lot and there's a lot of things that happened and there's a lot of things that didn't happen. Yeah. That should have. I've been thinking about this as like trauma is something that happens to us, like acute events, but it's also things that don't happen, like needs of ours that don't get met. Yeah. A sense of safety that doesn't get created, a a sense of tenderness or like love that doesn't get felt when we're children. And that causes different kinds of wounds. Like that neglect causes different Mm -hmm. kinds of wounds than things that might look more like abuse or bad car accident or someone broke into our house and it was really scary. Mm -hmm. Like those are traumatic things too, but yeah, I think maybe it's hard because it's for you. It is both stuff that happened and stuff that didn't happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like the messaging that I received at such a young age just set the tone for my life, you know, like how, Mm -hmm. how I was supposed to receive or not receive love or connection or, you know what I mean? Or like, or how I was supposed to be, or just how I was just supposed to be like being able to show emotion without feeling like I should just shut the fuck up or move on or those, I was very sensitive and I cried a lot, but, but those feelings weren't addressed and it was just kind of like, you know, it's, and I, I understand like, it wasn't easy for my mom or anything. There was a lot of children, in, but I have to also learn to stop minimizing my the way I grew up and start. Fo- and that's what I've also learned to do is just start focusing more on myself and then not making excuses for why people behave they did, the way they did. So then I'm just and then it just gets me really sad. Yeah. So I'm still working through a lot of that because it is sad. But I also don't want I also know that I'm not, I'm not the person that, you know, who is like, how do I say it? Like, I'm not that little girl that got treated like that. Like, I'm more than that. Mm -hmm. Like, I was, I came into this world more than that. More than what people conditioned me to make me feel. Yes. So, I know that. And so, it's like, once I realize that I'm greater than what people have taught me or shown me, or whatever, didn't show me, you know what I mean? Like, I have agency over my own life and my own mental health. But it's like, it's crazy because I never, ever fucking, like, six years ago, like, never even thought about it. I thought about my story all the time, and I acted out a lot. Yeah. But I never put two and two together. I'm like, yeah, of course I'm a fucking drunken mess. Or I drink all the time, or I smoke all the time, smoke weed all the time, and I'm just gone most like mentally checked out most of the time I was able to do things like yeah I was responsible I always had a job I did all that perfectly but like just the connection for me was like I wasn't really connected to myself and I know that now Mm -hmm. it's weird when you're on the other side and you can see that so clearly and I'm like damn yeah I was just like trying to get through life survival mode kind of thing of course and that makes that's what we all do I think that something I something really important 
thinking about these topics, like looking at ourselves and past behaviors, past ways of coping. To me, it's all just adaptations for survival. Yeah. That's really what any of our behaviors are. Mm -hmm. And you adapted that sort of light response, like not running away from your life, but just like compartmentally, compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. your feelings. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm sure a lot of people listening can identify with that. Yeah, because I did survival. I did got a great job, got a fucking house, like did the things, right? Do all the things that we're supposed to do. And then of course we're like, fuck, we're still not happy. What the fuck? What else is yeah. out there? But then I'm just like I was like, oh, it's like going within. You have to go inward. Like yeah. nothing externally is going to bring you that happiness. That's when I started doing the work. Is when I realized, okay, I've done all this shit. I thought this would make me happy and I'm not happy. I'm not connected. I'm like, even, you know what I mean? So that's when I started doing therapy is when I was like, I want to thrive now, but I don't know if this is thriving. Uh I don't know how to feel that. I'm not used to that. Yeah. Learning to feel was a big part of it. Yeah. Feel (laughs) something besides like sad. Yeah. Yeah. Like feeling good was like taboo for me like I it made me feel gross made me feel dirty it made me feel I was doing something wrong if I congratulated myself if I felt Mm. good about my achievements or anything any sort of feeling good made me feel guilty and shame shameful and those are some things that I'm still working through so I know I did a lot of chatting about my life there's just so much but how about you Megan and, yeah, and we'll come back to talking about like where we're at with things now yeah, too, because yeah. I think that you have a lot to share in terms of where you're at now. For me, it's been like my mental health has been <laughs> called into question by others <laughs> since I was a teenager. I think I talked about this mm-hmm. the last time we did a mental health episode, but my parents put me in therapy when I was 14, I think. She was their therapist too, and it was, she was a strange lady. But my, my, what was then at least categorized as depression was really noticeable. I was a very depressed teenager. Hit it a lot in some ways, but you couldn't hide from it at home. If you lived with me or were around me for an extended period of time, it was clear that Something was wrong. Something felt dark. I was really angry, and I was also really sad, Mm -hmm. and I was really lonely. Even though I had friends, I had a boyfriend, I had siblings that I was close with, my parents were married, and it it looked like an okay family. From the outside, there were definitely family dynamics and relational dynamics at play that just created this really deep loneliness in me and I think I started to really feel that loneliness a lot as a teenager and then that looked like depression and that freaked everybody out so put her in therapy and I was like in and out I had a couple other really bad depressive times in college and then just similar just sucked it up Mm -hmm. for my 20s and the first half of my 30s I felt happy sometimes. Lots of times I felt nothing. Lots of times I felt lonely and sad, but just chugged along. 
just kind of chugged through things working, yeah, succeeding at work and deciding that I felt okay enough when really it feels like big parts of me were like under ice. And then I, in 2016, I had a really difficult time for a couple of reasons. Like things, some things were difficult in relationship, which led to us going to couples counseling. Things were really stressful in my job, which led to what felt like a breakdown. And I went to a psychiatrist, a psychiatric nurse practitioner to try and figure it out. And I've talked about this all before. too. And she gave me a bipolar two diagnosis. So basically like mood disorder. Mm-hmm. And I now question whether that is an accurate diagnosis. Yeah. I actually don't think it is. I do think I have unstable moods. I don't think that it is bipolar or depression or anxiety. I think it's really just stuff from childhood related to not feeling connected, to not fe- to not feeling sure if I was loved. And so then parts of me that will do like anything to try and get love, including acting out in really hysterical ways that can look unstable uh-huh. <laughs> from the outside looking in. So I think it's like, all of that stuff combined plus trauma. Yeah. So I don't know. I question, I don't really know what diagnosis would fit for me. Yeah. I'm pretty confident that the bipolar diagnosis wasn't correct now, but I think that also that um, person was doing, did a good job at the time trying to figure out what was going on. I just didn't have enough insight into myself to explain it all. Yeah. To her. Yeah. So I'm still in therapy, been there consistently <laughs> since 2016. Always working on different things. Yeah. Yeah. And as life yeah. goes, right? Things like continue to, life continues to happen and things continue to, as you dig things up, yeah, you, you see things in a different light. And it was also like, a lot of what I was working on that was really important stuff where I was really starting to get somewhere with like attachment wounding and stuff from childhood. When Joe killed himself, everything that I was working on stopped and didn't get worked on anymore because there was this acute thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually now like back around working on stuff that I was working on in this like spring of 2020. Would have been great to have worked through already, yeah. but there was this horrible thing that happened and that sucked a lot of air out of the room for me. So, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So that, so I don't know, that's thing to look at now where in some ways I'm like, Oh, wasn't I working on this three years ago? Yes, you were. Mm-hmm. Or four years ago. Yes. And so now I'm like finally just getting the chance to work back around to some of that. Mm-hmm. And do you find it's different now than it was then for you? Like approaching that? Yeah, I think so because I have... Four years greater insight and perspective mm-hmm. and four years more knowledge of myself. And I also know more about how to reach my, the exiled parts of me, mm-hmm. that little, that little girl and that teenage girl, that teenage part that are so lonely and then act out in ways that are not appropriate to many of the adult situations that I find myself in. I know how to reach them because mm-hmm. I've gotten really practiced at it and I understand them. Whereas when I was working on some of this stuff 
four years ago, I was barely starting to understand it. I was barely starting to know that this was, that some of these things were even problems. It really wasn't until that bad, the bad breakup that I had in 2019 that I started to understand that a lot of what might be going on with me emotionally is attachment wounding and attachment trauma versus like a disorder. And that was a new idea to me then. And now I've just had four years more time to think about it. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense about everything doesn't have to be like a diagnosis or a disorder. It could be, yes, the things that we've learned in childhood. Attachment theory is another, is like a how we behave or how we perceive the world. It, It doesn't mean that there's, that's a disorder. It's just... Exactly. What we were conditioned to believe for the longest or the messaging that we received or how we interpreted the world as a child. A hundred percent. And that can show up with things that present, you know, part of it is having this met like the medical model that we put on wellness, like mental well-being, mm-hmm. emotional well-being has hundreds of diagnostic codes that go along with it, which mm-hmm. on the one hand is a good thing because it's destigmatized a lot of this stuff. On the other hand, to get help, we have to fit everything into a symptom and fit it into a a diagnosis so that it has a code Mm -hmm. that we can bill for it. And so sometimes I'm like, I don't know, is this depression or did I feel, did I feel unworthy as a child? And there's parts of me that still need to feel their worth. Yeah. Maybe it's semantics or splitting hairs, but yeah, it's hard to say because you're yeah. doing the work, so it's hard to know. It's hard to know. I, mean, I feel like when you asked me about my diagnosis or diagnoses earlier, I mean, again, it's it's hard to like put myself in a box like that because it all goes together. Yeah. And I don't think it's all a symptom and a cause of the traumatic events that occurred over a long period of time. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's hard to pick it apart, right? Like, how do you like, unpick that? doesn't that? mean there's something wrong with me. You know what I mean? And that's what I want everybody to know, too, is, like, when people talk about their anxiety, usually it stems from something else, from, like, a long time ago, something that caused that anxiety. And it's the way your body has adjusted to life. Like, we hear about anxiety so much, and I think sometimes... When you hear about something so much, you get desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh my God, whatever. Everybody is anxious. But but it's different. It's like everybody has a fucking story. Everybody has a reason why they're anxious. <laughs> and it's yeah. important. That's such a good way of putting it. And most, not, a, not every single person, but many people grow up in environments where their nervous system is just awash in cortisol. Like they're always on alert. And then you, how you adapt to that is whatever it then winds up looking like symptoms later in life. But again, it's just adaptations. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the cool thing is like our brains are so flexible. Neuroplasticity is real. And as much as these things can be really intrusive, you can still work on them and manage them. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be chronically intrusive for the rest of your life in most cases. Yeah. And that's, I had a belief that my brain will only learn so much. Like, I don't want to fill my brain with all this nonsense of like, I don't know, shit, whatever, things that I didn't want to learn because I needed to save room in my brain for other things. You know what I mean? Save room. <laughs> that's how I, because I'm a literal type person in that yeah. way. And I'm just like, but 
neuroplasticity is, oh my gosh, like you have the ability to change your pathways. And once I realized that these pathways that get built, that, that, that start when we're children, a very young age, like there is wiring that goes on, conditioning that goes on. And yeah, healthy, healthy young kids, you know, get that wiring of love and feeling worthy and like, you know, and, and then there's others like me, you know, that felt, don't feel shit, you know, and feel very unworthy and isolated and just like this messaging of, and, but learning that you can, you have the capability of changing those pathways is like, that was like a green light for me. I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I I can do something about this. It's not set in stone. Like, I know that pathway is very, (laughs) been ran up and down like a million fucking times and is very set there, but it's not like I have the ability to change that. Once you start becoming aware that exists. Is that where you've been kind of focusing your attention since we started, like in the two years since we started the podcast, when we very first talked about our mental health on the show? I think so. Because yeah, two, two years ago, I was just right in the mix of, oh my God, I just found out I have anxiety. You know what I mean? I just started medication and like, that was all very new for me. Like, that's right. I had a lot of symptoms, a lot of physical symptoms of the dizziness and like yeah. a lot of vertigo, dizziness, felt like I was going to pass out, like tingling, chest pain, acid reflux, headaches every fucking day. Like I had so many physical symptoms and I didn't even, I thought they were just because I drank or because mm-hmm. I was stressed out or whatever. And once I started like taking medication and, and like really focusing in on what was causing my anxiety, like Getting my anxiety under control and my depression, like, those symptoms, I don't have them now. Yeah. Like, I used to be able to say headache and then you have a headache. I, like, literally. That's true. You would just think about about claw hands and then you would have claw hands. Yeah, or like, I still call Tylenol headache medicine. Does anybody have any headache medicine? You know what I mean? Because that was always something that I, any headache medicine, Advil, Tylenol, all of that was not... Or taken for anything but headaches. You know what I mean? Yes. That's just how I, now I'm like, I have, I don't even know. Now I have a headache if I'm hungover, but I don't have headaches anymore. I don't have any physical symptoms really anymore. Like it's just, holy shit. And I think it's, yes. Yeah, so since then, since learning what I, what was going on and then trying to find ways to, to change these pathways. Cause uh-huh. I knew where the anxiety was coming from. And I knew why I was so scared all the time. It was that little scared little girl. That's huge. Just being able to have the reason why mm-hmm. that gives you something to start to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to work on things. I'm like fucking MacGyver with shit. So I was just like, so then I go like, oh yeah, on a deep dive into listening to a lot of people who talks about the rewiring of your brain, you know, your emotions are records of your past. So you just think about that. And I don't know, it's just a whole trip for me. And that's definitely my what's been my focus over the last couple of years of trying to rewire my brain to what I want, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like, to the good stuff, because your brain is amazing. And we do have control over these things. So yeah, and once I learned about that the brain can do that. I'm just like, yeah, let's fucking do it. And I feel like 
every day it's a process. Every day it's a fucking gotta do something. Listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts or things on YouTube to help just reset my brain or reset my motivation. Yeah. Wait, so did you fire your therapist? No, well, I changed insurance. Oh, okay. Yeah. What if she's listening right now? <laughs> no. no, I mean, I really enjoyed her yeah. and she did help me see a lot of, th- you know, she did help me see. I just felt like I still need to do a lot of work. Like I have a lifetime of shit. And even though I want, I don't want to really go into all of that shit because I just feel like it's a never ending fucking journey. It still comes up and I, I don't know. I just still feel like the need to be heard and seen. And like my story is just, I just still want more validation. Like, yeah, my story is fucked up. You know what I mean? I totally do. Yes. <laughs> so fucked up that people treated me like that. Like what the fuck? Yes. And then like, it really was fucked up, <laughs> you know? And I think it's because I think a lot of it has to do with the parents have my, I'll just say my mom has taken a little bit more accountability in the last couple years or whatever. But like, I don't talk to my dad about any, anything I choose not to for my own well being, And you know, we have a really good close relation. Well, no, it's not a close relationship. We have a relationship and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with where it's at, but I think that's what my little Raina is wanting is that accountability. Yeah. And just for my parents to say, I'm sorry, that was so fucked up. You know, our decisions were horrible. You know what I mean? And like, and tell me that over and over and over and over again and tell me how how proud they are of me, that how resilient I am, that I did all this shit by myself and pretty much, you know, <laughs> lived on my own. And like, it's just like, it's just crazy. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. Even though I'm learning not to like put like, I, I want it from my parents. I know I'm not going to get it. So I'm learning to like deal with it inward. Yeah, I think that young part, that young Raina, is probably also the part that wants to tell the story over and over. Mm-hmm. And, okay, as much as I hate, <laughs> it makes me think about the scene in Goodwill Hunting uh-huh. where the Robin Williams character says to him, it wasn't your fault, mm-hmm. and just says it over and over again until he like, until they're like hugging. It's oh, like, yeah, I only saw that movie once, but that scene is just like burned in my brain. And mm-hmm. so many of us like want to. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hear that from a parent or a parent figure. Yeah. Um, wasn't your fault. It was mine. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry you were hurt. Like, we want that so badly. And it is hard to think that we might not, it might not ever come externally. Yeah. And you can go back to her and retrieve her yourself and give that. Yeah. To little you. Sometimes I think about therapy almost like this kind of therapy, this kind of work is almost like emotional time travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though we can't get the thing we really want, which is for all of that, all of the bad to not have happened, mm-hmm. or for accountability to be taken in 
yeah, real life. <laughs> Sometimes we have to go back and give it to ourselves. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And giving myself more grace and just more like being more soft and so like rigid. I was, cause that's what helped me get by is just being so structured and so rigid, very black or black and white, black or white. It's very, everything was just like had hard edges for me, like for the longest time. It's either one way or the other, in or out. I'm, there was no in between. Yeah. And I even, and that was even like how I treated myself. So I didn't allow myself that space. But as I've been working more and more, I'm just like, opening up a little bit more and softening those edges. And I'm just like, like, it's just, it's fascinating to me how uh, I can just breathe a little bit, you know what I mean? And this is all of my own doing. And that is so, I think there's something really comforting about knowing that's within us. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we can, any of us can really get by in this world, like just solely by ourselves no one's an island yeah but it is comforting to know that there are resources within us mm-hmm. to do exactly what you're doing or we can create those resources or we can work with a therapist to become a little bit more resourced mm-hmm. it's in you yeah it is and it takes somebody to point out so that's why having like a therapist is very helpful or somebody who doesn't know you or can just yeah. see what's going on and just, they just say one thing. Like, like for instance, I felt like I was a horrible person because I shut down when I'm, like, around people or when I'm around people that I really am supposed to love. And I do love. But I'm like, how come I can't feel that? Or how come I get, why can I be, like, everybody's having a good time and I'm having a good time. I'm around everybody that I love, but I don't feel, I can't, I don't feel love. I don't feel the love. I should love what is this emotion? You know what I mean? I'm doing something wrong or whatever. And I thought, I thought I was like a horrible person and I was just numb or disconnecting. And then when she like basically put it in a way that it was just too much for me, mm. as opposed for me being too less too, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all of that stimulation to love that much was just too much for my body to handle. Mm. And so it just shuts down because I do love so much, but I, my body is not, can't handle it so it just like shuts down a little bit and because I was like really beating myself up I'm like I want to feel so much love for everyone you know what I mean and I and I have my moments but it's really hard and I now I see why that it's because I'm just really sensitive and I can't handle it it's overwhelming for me yeah I was gonna ask if that made sense to you but it sounds like it did it did and it made me feel so much better Uh uh-huh because I felt like there was something wrong with me that I'm like, think about the people that for you, you, for instance, I'm supposed to love so much. And I'm just like, but I don't feel any, like when I feel it in my chest, like there's nothing there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than, but then I'm like, but that's not true because then I think about Leo, like I, my dog, I'm like, Oh, it's all warm and gooey and it's cause it's safe. Leo's not going to hurt you. Yeah. He, but for humans, yeah. any human, you Sergio, like my sister, yeah, my niece and nephew, like, I'll get very, like, I'll shut down. And I thought that meant that was something wrong with me. You know what I mean? I'm a horrible person. I can't, why can't I love? But it's like, oh my God, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Because that helps soften things for me, the Mm -hmm. edges a little bit. And like, I can like, just take little steps still 
to, st- to stay connected when I feel myself drawing, you know, withdrawing from yeah. the group or maybe even reaching out to you or to my sister and letting you know that, Hey, it's going <laughs> to, you see me withdrawing or disconnecting, try to pull me back in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I will. And I didn't know that. I didn't fucking know that. So that was a great thing that I learned in therapy. <laughs> That's such a good insight. Yeah. I was going to ask, what do you think? One, like, what's the biggest thing that you've learned about your mental health or your emotional wellness? And it sounds like. That's at least high up on the list. Yeah, because for the longest time, how I got by in my teenage years was like, I'm a fucking bitch, y'all. Don't fuck (laughs) Mm -hmm. with me. Like, I literally was super mean. I didn't want to care about anybody. I was like ice fucking cold for the longest time. And yeah, it was... I even remember when I started hearing my sister say, I love you all the time. I'm like, oh, I wish I could be like that. Yeah. Or even using like babe and those we've talked about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sergio was like the first guy that I've been with. Like we use like babe and love and whatever. That's just, that was how I protected myself. I'm like, oh my gosh. Anyway, a lot of insight going on, but it's helping me connect more with others. It's helping me to be vulnerable in space, like here, talking to everybody out there listening. If you disconnect, it's just like your body, your brain, like, nope, too much, too much stimulation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turning off now, you know, and I didn't know that. So I'm hoping this might help somebody else who thinks they're a bad person sometimes, you know. I love that framing on it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I was really mean too. So I don't think you're a bad person at all. I think that meanness is a good place to go if you're trying to protect yourself. Yeah. I was super mean and angry. My Achilles heel or my downfall was was always just my willingness to get into and stay in really bad relationships because I wanted to be, I just wanted to be loved. Mm -hmm. And I had, and I couldn't feel that from friends in the way I can now, even though I always had friends that loved me so much. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't feel that from my siblings the way I do now, even though they were always there. Yeah. And I didn't have a relationship with my parents where I could feel that connection either, even though I do now for the most part, sometimes things still get a little bumpy. Yeah. And I couldn't feel it from myself. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just would get into and stay in these like rotten, abusive relationships. And really, I just, yeah, I just, I had, I don't want to say I had no self-worth because that's not quite true because I did have self-worth and dignity in other domains of life, just not Mm -hmm. that one. Mm -hmm. And now I'm really lucky to be in a space in life where like, I feel good about myself most days. <laughs> I have yeah. good friendships. My partner is actually a good person and is safe. Like my nervous system is so regulated around him, which is great. Yeah. I never knew that feeling. When I think back to past relationships, my nervous system was always like completely dysregulated. And so there's finally like space and stability to start to unwind all yeah. of that a little bit. It's so funny when you were talking about just wanting your story to be told, how strongly some parts of us will insist on that. Even when we think we've told it. Like when I started with my new therapist, I was like doing the intake. It's like, oh yeah. And then my ex-boyfriend 
died in front of me, but I already processed that. I don't want to tell the story anymore. That's not what I'm here to work on. I'm here to work on this other stuff that I was working on before he died. Blah, blah, blah. And then five sessions in, I'm like mad that she's not asking me about it. (laughs) It's like, you told her not to. And then I was like, I just feel like I need to tell you this story. And then I like had several sessions where I was like, I know I already told you this, but like, I need to tell you again. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, yeah, there's just a part of you that like very much needs this to be witnessed. Mm -hmm. This one specific part of it needs to be witnessed. And even though you've worked on it and talked about it, like this part of you doesn't feel seen yet. And so until we can get that part to be seen, it's going to keep wanting to tell the story. Yeah. I think that's, that just was kind of reminded me of what you were talking about too. Like you just want that to be seen. Yeah. You just want it to be witnessed. And until you feel like it is, it's going to want to keep, it's going to keep telling you to tell it. I know. Yeah. I like literally can feel it shouting. Yeah. I want to tell everybody on this fucking episode podcast listening right now, my whole life story but I'm not going to, <laughs> but I'm like, I just have that yearning of wanting to be seen because I know I, I generalize a lot because I, I don't, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Some things I, I keep sacred. Sure. But, not um, every, not everything is for everyone to consume, right? We have yeah. to be, I mean, we do share a lot of ourselves here. Mm-hmm. Some stuff we have to just decide whether it's for others to consume or not, right? Yeah, and yeah. Parts of your other, stories, are, story is not other. There's other people involved that yeah. I don't, you know. It's I don't. Yeah. So, but it's just yeah. That's why I'm like, okay, I really need to find myself a new therapist and feel this again arising. And like, why last night, like up at two in the morning? Of course, we all did, like. Then you just play your whole fucking life story out in your head, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think it all sparked because I, I'm like filing for like life insurance and shit, and it's like. And they make me fill out this alcohol questionnaire because I, my doctor probably noted in my chart that I'm a fucking drinker. And then it's, oh, the first date that you consumed alcohol. And I was like, what? <laughs> Who can even think about the first date? But then mine, I was like, fuck, I was like 12, 13 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then I thought it was funny. And then, of course, it's like my sister like... You know, we're, we were childhood alcoholics or whatever. And I'm just like, oh my God, you, that is such a child. Like 13 is fucking hella young. Yeah. 13. Yeah. Like eighth grade. That's really little. Yeah. That's really young. I know. Yeah. And I was just like, and I was getting drunk, like fucked up since eighth grade and continued on. So I'm just like, damn. And then of course that just puts me back into thinking about how young I was and what I was going through at the time and blah, 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 blah. So... Yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel you. I think for the first time when I was 14, and that seems really young too, and coincides with the first time that I was physically assaulted. Like, mm-hmm. And when you think, when we put it in that context, sometimes I got to wonder, are we, are we mentally disordered or are we responding appropriately to the context that we're existing in? Yeah. And... Yeah. Our needs being met or not met. I mean, of course, there are diagnoses that are organic and have like, um, not everything is trauma, right? Like yeah. we should be clear to say that not everything's caused by trauma. Depression is real. Anxiety is real. Bipolar disorder is real. All these things are real. And they also can, you can also have intrusive symptoms or things that show up that get in your way that look a lot like those disorders. And mm-hmm. it's actually childhood 
trauma or other kinds of trauma. Mm -hmm. I think that's where you and I have both gone on our journey is like, what's the right label? I'm not sure. But what this really comes down to is how we adapted to needs not being met and other like horrible things that happened at various points in our, in our histories. Yeah. And I think that's so important for people to be able to identify Mm -hmm. that there, there was a cause Mm -hmm. and when you know what that is, then you can do something with it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't have to be like this forever. Like you can do something with this kind of thing. You weren't born this way, you know? And you don't have to die this way either. Yeah. And there's, Mm -hmm. obviously there are diagnoses out there that yes, there are chemical imbalances and things like that. But I feel like what we're talking about now is like the mental wellness, mental health. Mm -hmm. We're talking about our stories. And I think that could be very relatable for a lot of our listeners that, that may have some similar stories Absolutely, and childhood things that are like, oh shit. And once you start paying attention to that, then you can start trying to... Yeah, rewire that. And hey, I love a med. Like I have a doctor's appointment next week and I would love a psychiatric referral. I would love to get back on Wellbutrin. It was really helpful to me when I was mm-hmm. taking it. But I also am not so sure that what goes on with my mental health and well-being, it, like I know that medication is not the only thing that's going to yeah. get it better. And I think what we've talked about before, because I'm currently taking medication. And I yeah. think what we talked about before, like helps you get into it, you know, do the work. It gets you to a baseline. It's not going to yeah. like, it's not going to take everything away. It's not going to make everything fucking perfect. You're not going to, you're still going to have to do the fucking work. And that's the whole reason. Like, it, yeah, it gets me to a point where I can go deeper into that space and without getting like super fucking low. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, what yeah. are you most proud of on your, your, mental wellness, mental health journey for the last couple of years? Um, my fucking persistence. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally. You know, like I'm a hard fucking worker, you know, and I think I'm, yeah, most proud of sticking to it and committing to myself and to my well-being and continuing on the journey of unlearning things that were not mine to begin with. And like proud of myself for claiming more of like, myself yeah yeah I love that what about you Megan what are you most proud of I think I'm really proud of the young versions of me that are finally learning how to get their needs met and ask for their needs to be met without doing things that are destructive to the life that I've built and am still trying to build. That feels really nice. I'm on my own team. Mm -hmm. I have my own back a little bit more than I used to. And then that's making space to start to work on some things that some stuff that I'm working on in therapy. Now I've never talked to a therapist about it's mostly to do with the body image and stuff like that. I don't have sorted out enough internally to be able to really be articulate about yet, Mm -hmm. but I am proud of myself for saying some of the things that I've said out loud to my therapist Mm -hmm. and having the courage to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Do you ever get discouraged or tired of it all? Well, yeah. 
fucking day. <laughs> what do you do? So what do you do? How do you find the persistence? What do you do when you're feeling discouraged? I've learned and I'm still learning you guys like to take a fucking and that it's okay to take a break. Even though I'm like laying there on the couch, beating myself up about it. Like I'm really trying to just like rest. Like we're so busy. Yeah. I don't even realize how busy we are until like I'm laying on the couch all day on a Saturday. And then I'm like, I'm not even hung over. What the fuck? And then I get in my head about being lazy and I'm like, but I worked all week and I've been up. I've done so much shit this week. You know what I mean? I don't even think can lazy. I get a day? Yeah. You <laughs> can. I'm talking to myself though. You know I know. I mean? Yeah. You can get a day. You're not lazy. And I also don't even think lazy is real. <laughs> it's not. Everybody who I know or have ever met is actually working really hard. And I think that rest counts as work. Do you know, yeah. It I, does take work to rest. Yeah. You're, you my mind is telling me not to yeah, or trying to make me feel guilty for it. So yeah, I definitely feel discouraged sometimes. I, you know, all in all, we are still human beings and we go through ups and downs and still act out and have these behaviors. Like it's not anything that's ever going to just be perfect. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? That is not the goal. That is not the destination, like perfection. And like, I'm just going to be happy all the time. Like, I don't want to fucking be happy all the time. You know what I mean? That no. seems exhausting. Yeah. But I just feel like when people, sometimes people think that's the goal. Yeah, totally. And because you see little five seconds on an Instagram reel, that is not somebody's entire life. That is not true. Like, I don't understand. I don't even, like I said, I don't even want to be happy all the time. I do enjoy the times when I'm melancholy, when I'm just moody and I just want to sit here and cry and listen to music. You know what I mean? Like, I enjoy those times. <laughs> I love being sad. It makes me really happy. Like Alexis and I used to call it happy sad. We even have play like happy sad playlist where it's all it's like just Fiona Apple and the Smiths and like Phoebe Bridgers, just sad girl shit. Uh-huh, just uh-huh. sad. Yeah. Because it feels so good to just lay there and listen to it. <laughs> and I think that's great. Being in the full range of human emotions is yeah. fine. Yeah, that is the goal for me. And yeah, for those times when I'm like feeling shitty, like I just allow myself to feel shitty. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Well, what, what about you though? Have you felt discouraged? Oh, exhausted? yeah. 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 All, yeah. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Well, because you're a therapist too. And yeah, then you that's... go to therapy and then... <laughs> That's a big part of it. And I think sometimes I get, I just get really tired or I even get burnt out. I, the, I hate the term compassion fatigue because that makes it sound like you start to just not care yeah. about the, your clients. And for me, that's not true. I always care. Mm-hmm. I always care. But sometimes I do feel like there's just not as, I just don't have as much in me. And then I feel really bad and gross about that and really beat myself up. So that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. When yeah. I feel bad that I don't have that sense of caring. Yeah. It's not that I'm burnt out or I yeah. that you're burnt out or compassion fatigue is too much for you. Yeah. I think that, that really is what it can come down to. Just being a bit, some weeks being a bit overwhelmed by yeah, you just the have enough depths space. of human suffering and the yeah. Things that people go through, the things that happen to them. Mm-hmm. So I get tired and burnt out a lot on my own work toward mental wellness and then also my work work to help <laughs> other people. Like two nights ago, 
Santi came into the office at our apartment. I'm like in my workout clothes, laying on my workout mat, not doing anything. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. Depression yoga, I think, which is just laying here. Yeah. But then he laid, he got down there with me, laid there with me and was like, okay, let's do this together. Mm -hmm. And that helps to have somebody that will get down and do depression yoga with you. And then he just wait until the energy comes back. I don't even try to necessarily like actively bring it back or change the way I feel anymore. I don't really fight my feelings. If I'm having a day that feels like I'm burned out Mm -hmm. or I'm sad or I'm like nothing like those days where you're just nothing. Yeah. Okay. That's what, that's how we are today. Yeah. Still have to brush our teeth and get stuff done, but I'm Mm -hmm. not going to fight this. And then when I have days where I'm happy, similarly, I'm not fighting it. Right. I'm not like, wait, when am I going to be not happy? Yeah. And that's so important. Yeah. To be able to, like, I feel like a lot of us can like totally be in the shit when we're in the shit, but when we're in the happy, like, yeah, try to be fully in the happy because it's going to be, it's temporary too. So try to fully embrace that those moments. Well, yes. Which are hard because then we try to sabotage it. You know, our brain is like, (laughs) something's wrong. (laughs) You're too happy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> send her a crisis really yeah. quick you are like the queen of tools like you are so good at finding meditations and things mm-hmm. to do do you have any tools that have been helpful or things that you would recommend to people that are yeah dealing with the same stuff we've been talking about what's helpful for me is listening to people talk about different ways that we can rewire our brains and different pathways and we have we do have the capability and the control to do that if you want to go on youtube and look up rewiring your brain and unlearning and reconditioning yourself because of the messaging that we receive as children they're not it's not ours but we're stuck with that shit for instance like programming so we want to we are programmed as children a lot of different things like walking for instance is a program and we that look it stays with us our whole entire life. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's automatic. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It, yeah. We don't even think about it. So when we're like, that is a program that was put in our brains as children. So think about all the other shit that could potentially be put in our brains that we're just continuing to carry on with us for our whole lives. Yeah. But we ha- we can, we have the tools to reprogram our brain. So I listen to a lot of that kind of stuff because it makes me feel better that I I can do something. Gives you the power. Puts it in and I put it into practice. Yeah. And I'm more and I'm science based like that. So it helps me. It just helps me. So if you're like if you have that type of mind, um, that's a great. You do a lot of meditating too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I used to do a lot of guided meditation, which I totally recommend doing to begin with because ain't nobody want to sit there for fucking five minutes in silence or just listen to music. So like the, it, how I got into it was just like going on and listening to starting with 10 minutes, like a, any 10 minute guided meditation, whatever you want to just look it up on YouTube. If you want to do gratitude, if you want meet your spirit guide, if you want to, whatever, you know what I mean? Just a 10 minute guided meditation, because what it does is just, it guides you through it. And so you don't have to think so much about what you're not doing or what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I really love a guided meditation and that helped me get through COVID because it took me all sorts of places. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you always find the best ones, like the ones that you've sent me before. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to do them because 
it's hard for me to meditate, but yeah, you always send the best ones. Yeah, they're really good. And I send them to like to Sergio. He's been doing them a lot too. So now I've gotten to the practice of I work out from home. And I've also told my sister to do this too, because she has a hard time finding time to meditate because mm-hmm. nobody got the fucking time to sit there still for you. Yeah, but, how do you, well, I'll ask that in a second, but yeah, go on. Well, so for, so I've helped her. Okay. I work out from home. She works out from home too. So when you're cooling down, just set the timer for five, 10 minutes, whatever, listen to some meditation music and just lay there or sit there or whatever. You're already in your body. You're already, you just got finished a workout. You're present. Like that for me, like I feel is like the best way to just fit it into your day and close out your workout. Make it part of your workout routine is just to do like a five minute, 10 minute meditation afterwards, which is basically just sitting still and like being present in your body. And it helped her. She's done it. And then she said, like, I've fallen asleep multiple times, you know, after your workout. Yeah. Your mind is already so clear. Yes. After that. And you feel good. And you're there already. Like, just sit there then. <laughs> I really like that. Because that, so that's, I have a hard time making time for it. But I'll never, I almost, I won't miss a workout. Mm-hmm. Like, I just won't. So if so, I add it. And, but then, okay. So how... What do you do about the part where it's boring? What part is boring about <laughs> meditating? Like, Try five minutes. Okay. You just, I think I just, it's my, I have to train my brain because I'll be sitting there trying to do it. And then I'm like, what else could I be doing right now? Like my brain oh. just wants to like, I get bored and I, yeah. and then my brain wants to go find other things to do. But I know that that's just like myself fighting it. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe even starting with guided meditations, cause yeah. what really helps me now is I don't get bored because I get actually get excited Okay. to go and feel that. I don't know. It's just like the sense of spirit. It's like the sense okay. of like yourself, like yeah. you're fully your full self, like your full energy field. Like it's an amazing feel, feeling. So I actually get excited and okay. I don't get bored. I'm like, oh, what can I feel or what can I, what's going to happen today? And I don't know. It's just, I yeah. feel more connected and tapped into the universe. Like it just makes me feel more excited. That sounds cool. It makes me feel bigger than life and all the shit that just happened today or whatever. It just yeah. like connects you into this other kind of dimension (laughs) it just takes practice I guess to get used to it yeah and that's why I say start with guided meditation because that'll help take your mind because then you're doing something yeah you know instead of just sitting there yeah yeah and it's telling you like to take these breaths and blah 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 you know what I mean and so it helps you but now I'm at the point where I don't I I don't need that I'm still you I still use them when I'm just like, oh, I wonder what my spirit guides have to say to me today. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know I mean? Let me go see if I can meet them today. If I'm like, you know, whatever. So yeah, I do a lot of that type of shit. And that's really helpful is like the meditation. Yeah, for sure. What do you do for your tools? I really, really like walking. Um, I used to think walking was boring and then I did it like for hundreds of hours and now I love it so much. Oh. So that's a big one for me. And then I really like journaling and I used to don't do this so much anymore, but I used to record videos of myself talking about how I felt and would be so embarrassed if anybody ever watched them or if I ever watched them, but it like would get it out and then that would help me feel more regulated too. Yeah. But I I do think walking and moving around is most effective thing I do because it keeps it just takes me out of my head yeah 
puts me in my body. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I spend a lot of time disassociating. And so moving around like forces me to be in a little bit more than mm-hmm. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Helps. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all great things. Walking, movement, yeah. meditation, breathing. I'm going to try and combine it. I really like that tip of yeah. finishing my workout and then going into, maybe I'll start with five minutes yeah, of meditation. Like there are and five see. Minute, there's like yeah. a five minute guided meditation and just yeah. start there. Okay. That's going to be my leap of faith challenge to myself for this okay. week. And I'll report back to you. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And then, yeah, that'll be, I don't know how about that's Anybody listening right now? <laughs> yeah, that that's your leap of faith Let's challenge do a for the week. Leap of, whether, choose something, whether it be five-minute meditation, going out for a 10-minute walk. Choose something to help, just a tool to help you connect to yourself and take time for yourself. Yeah. Right? That's, that's so important. So, yeah. What an episode. Uh, uh, is there anything else you want to leave people with before we wrap up? I did want to read a little something that I saw the other day on the gram and I just thought this was such a perfect way to describe the journey and like what happens with with healing and everything like that because we hear this all the time that oh with time heals everything Uh and it Uh it does in a way but not really does not heal all things no (laughs) you know so it goes time does not heal all wounds it just gives them space to sink into the subconscious where they will still impact your emotions and behavior. What heals is going inward, loving yourself, accepting yourself, listening to your needs, addressing your attachments and emotional history, learning how to let go and following your intuition. That's beautiful. So I think it just touches on all the things that like we were talking about, like the work that is to be done. Yes. And that time, yeah, just gives them space to sink into our subconscious and then leaks out into our behaviors. Yeah. And how we interact with others. And then we can see that all all around, how people interact with others. So when you think about it and you think about all these, how people behave, you know, try to see where that might be coming from and not be, there's this other woman that was like, observe without absorbing. Uh Uh-huh which I thought was a pretty great thing. Observe people, but don't absorb their energy. Don't absor- don't let them fuck with your vibe. Like that's their shit. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, and I used to be like that to take everything so personal, like everything's about you. <laughs> so much. Oh my God. I still do that sometimes. And me too. I think we do, you know, but I think it's so important to practice yes. that. You can observe it and it doesn't, and just don't absorb it. Like practice equanimity equanimity is the term and that's another one that I just wanted to leave I love that because otherwise I feel like I might die and my tombstone will say are you mad at me (laughs) like I'm always worried about that not always anymore but it is that like absorbing other people's energy and assuming that it exists that their it's mood is yours. You. Uh-huh. Or it's because of you. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with you. It mm-hmm. has something to do with what their childhood. Yes. You know, just like your own behaviors had something to do with your own childhood. It has nothing to do with that person. Yes. You know, so just give people a little bit more patience and love and acceptance. And you don't have to fuck with them, but you don't have to also be mad at them or hate them either. Yeah. So. I love that. <laughs> That's a beautiful note to end on. Like sums everything up so perfectly. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Okay, listeners, we want to (sighs) 
hear yes. how your leap of faith goes for this week. Let mm-hmm. us know. You can let us know on the gram at sh underscore don't talk about it pod. You can also let us know via email if you want. It's info at sh don't talk dot com. Mm-hmm. And please, when you get a moment, uh-huh. go to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on right now and give us a review, even if it's just a few words. Yeah. Really helps out. Please also rate the podcast and send it to a few friends and ask them to subscribe as well. Yeah. It helps us get the message out and it helps us be able to keep doing this and sharing. Building a community, y'all. Yeah. Fucking getting rid of shame. Start talking about shit. Yep. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.